0: mini episode 181 of real life ghost stories and i have seven spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from april the 21st 2022 and story number one comes from carrie ann i have four children who vary in age from now 22 to 7 they all have very different interests that we encourage due to this one afternoon we were sat watching time team as my eldest son loves archaeology It was an episode about an old castle somewhere in Ireland, and my youngest son, who was three at the time, looked up and said, It wasn't like that at all. When I built it, we put two lions on the gates down the lane. We just chuckled, kids and their imagination, right? Anyway, it got to the end of the programme and a postscript came up stating that further down the field, they located a walled structure, and at what would be the entrance, they found part of a lion's head. He has stated different things about when he was alive before, and they always link to something. We've grown used to it, and now he is older, he doesn't mention it anymore. But I truly believe in reincarnation because of my boy. If there's anything that this podcast has made me kind of more believe in, or believe in more, maybe that's the more appropriate sentence, it's reincarnation. And it's not something I really gave much thought to before, other than just kind of a passing interest in reincarnation stories. But the amount of stories that we get that are similar to this and we know that kids have very vivid imaginations but that is so specific to be like when I built it we actually put lions on the entrance and then they find lions on the entrance later. Also kudos to Time Team top tier television right there. And story number two comes from Donna. Being raised in the United States by an Irish Catholic mother, we always believed in ghosts and psychic abilities as well as UFO phenomena witnessed by my ship captain father. It was always just something that we were raised with. My sister and I have premonitory dreams for one thing and I am told that it runs in the family from my mother's aunt who often creeped people out by knowing what was going to happen before it happened. My one sister was living in Africa and had just had a beautiful healthy baby boy My other sister came downstairs one morning about two weeks after the baby was born and told us that she had had a very strange dream in which she was hovering over my sister in Africa who was talking to her husband. She said she heard them say It is a shame the baby had to die but his heart was too big for his head. Pretty weird, right? Within days we were called and the baby was being rushed to Paris with a serious heart defect undetectable until the baby began to grow. The baby died shortly after that, leaving everyone devastated. These dreams, however, are often much more mundane. In one case, my sister and I were driving, and she said she had had the strangest dream. She was in a jeep on some backcountry road, and a friend of hers was driving the jeep, which was odd because her friend has epilepsy and is not allowed to drive. And it was a friend she hadn't heard from in a couple of years. They came upon some people whose car was stuck in the mud and they pulled the car out with the jeep. Two weeks later, that friend invited my sister to Galveston, Texas, to their beach house for the weekend. She was surprised to find out that he was allowed to drive the back roads with the old jeep the family owned and yes, they came across people stuck in the mud and pulled their car free. Shortly after this dream, my sister came to me and told me that she had had another very strange dream in which I was in a burning house. She said she had kept telling me to come out and was very worried about me, but all I would say is that I was perfectly fine. I'd been firewalking with Anthony Robbins that weekend, and hadn't told anyone anything more than that I was at a seminar, not wanting anyone to worry. Of course I told my sister what I had been up to, and that she didn't need to let the dream worry her. My dreams have always been much more mundane but equally strange. I will tell you about the most recent one from three years ago, In my dream, I was standing in what I believe was a theatre. It was all dark and there were curtains, but I was on stage with a spotlight trained on me and another person. The person was wearing a turban and had dark eyes and a moustache and a goatee. I was thinking magician. We stood together in the spotlight near a creepy looking doll with a very white face, painted on dark eyes and bright red lips. In my dream, we took the beautiful robes off the statue and replaced them With equally beautiful robes of a different colour. As I was waking up, I was thinking, what the hell was that? People coming to see the robes being changed on a doll. Then I had the rational thought, it was a dream and it doesn't have to make sense. This made me chuckle. My husband was awake and asked me why I was laughing, so I told him about my dream. Fast forward a week, and one of my co workers came up to chat, and I noticed he was wearing a Sivananda yoga t shirt which is the yoga I practice. So I was pretty excited because I thought there must be an instructor who was close by. He told me that I should go to the Sivananda Yoga Ranch in upstate New York, which is only three hours away by car. I told my husband about it, and he knew that I had wanted to go to Sivananda since I was a teenager, and he agreed that I should go and spend a week there to deepen my practice, which up to that point had just been from books. A week later, I got to the Sivananda Yoga Ranch, And we go into satsang into the little temple. The temple is a large room with beautiful windows, lots of light and an altar that honours Krishna, Jesus, Muhammad and all the different religions as yoga is spiritual and believes all spiritual paths are one. There is a statue of Krishna made of white marble with painted dark eyes and a red mouth and it was wearing the most beautiful intricate robes. Interesting. Each day we went to satsang and each day the statue was wearing different coloured robes. On the last evening of my stay, I told one of the instructors about my dream and she said I should ask the guru if I can attend puja in the morning. He was surprised by my request and warned of the early hour, 4.30am, and we planned to meet. When I arrived, the next morning we went inside and it was just like my dream. The room was dark except for the altar which was lit up like a stage. There were large floor-to-ceiling curtains hanging either side. The swami was wearing a turban, which I hadn't seen him in before, and he had dark eyes and a moustache and a goatee. We changed the robes, placed offerings of raisins and flowers at the statue's feet and prayed for peace in the world. It was a lovely experience, and my dreams finally made sense. Another experience at Sivananda is that I wanted to wash my car, but didn't know the area at all so I put the request in my navigation on my phone and started following the directions to the nearest car wash. As I was driving, I started feeling dread. It was a very strong feeling of hopelessness, fear, terror and despair. I have been empathic my whole life, so I started to look around for where these feelings were coming from. All I could see were neat little houses with swing sets and sandboxes and tidy gardens. It made no sense with what I was feeling. The feeling continued to grow, and I began to panic as I rounded a bend over the trees peeking out I could see a very large, old and beautiful building made of stone as I curved past the trees I could see modern gun towers large walls and razor wire fences all around the compound I could see the guards in the towers as they moved from window to window to watch my car drive past it was a prison and the feelings I felt made perfect sense now The fear and despair were coming from the people inside. As for ghosts, I have had only one really certain experience which could not be explained away and which was witnessed by multiple people. We moved into an old house in Vermont where the neighbour told me that he had been born in the back bedroom maybe 75 years ago. He was happy to see a family move into the house which had been vacant for a number of years. We all loved the house. But had many strange experiences in it. For one thing if you were alone in the house you would hear running and jumping coming from upstairs. My husband experienced it one weekend when I had taken all the kids shopping. He searched upstairs thinking one of the kids had stayed behind but no one was there. I had the same experience almost every day when I was home alone. The other odd thing was that when we turned off the lights in rooms when we left them they would always be turned back on and when I went back upstairs This happened on a daily basis until I thought I was losing my mind. The final episode was when we were standing in the front yard levelling a pop-up camper that we were setting up for a visiting friend. This took about 10 minutes and as we were working I noticed that one swing on the swing set about 20 feet away was moving back and forth the way it would if a child were sitting on the swing. The swing right next to it was absolutely still. I watched it for a good five minutes before I mentioned it to my husband. It kept going the entire time we were levelling the camper. When we went to investigate it, it continued for a few more minutes and then stopped. There was no wind, and even if there was, how could one swing move and the other one be still? We believe we shared the house with a child ghost who was afraid of the dark and played on the swing. We moved away shortly after, but I remember the little ghost fondly. Another family moved in after us but only stayed a few months and the house has been vacant and dark ever since which makes me sad. These are just some of the experiences that I have had. I don't fear the paranormal but I do totally believe in these experiences and if I am having them, my family is having them and your listeners are having them and that is enough for me. It's like I always say, I never make a judgement on whether or not I think these experiences are real. Like... You can't make a judgment about whether something is objectively true it just doesn't work like that and I always just accept the fact that whatever people are experiencing them it is something that has prov- profoundly impacted them and that's what's important so whatever the explanation and I say explanation in inverted commas whatever that explanation is whether it's you're actually seeing the hat man whether it's a mental health issue whether it's sleep paralysis it doesn't matter Because what matters is that that person has been profoundly impacted by that experience and they're also potentially having shared experiences with people from all over the world who have experienced something similar or who understand and can empathise with the feelings that these experiences bring. I loved the dream part of this story because those dream premonitions were so specific. It wasn't like you had to do loads of interpretations to try and figure out how these dreams were relevant. I mean, your sister dreamed about seeing a friend who they haven't seen for a long time who is epileptic and therefore they weren't allowed to drive for a long time and then they had had an experience of driving along in a jeep on some back roads and pulling somebody out of a car and then that actually happened like it wasn't your sister's interpretation it wasn't like it was a really abstract dream and you sort of linked things together to try and make it applicable to real life similarly with the dream about the poor baby who died of a heart defect. Like, while the dream itself at the time felt really abstract, in reality it wasn't abstract at all. It was quite literal. And I think dreams in general are just a really complex and fascinating part of the human psyche. I'm currently in Ireland, and my mum and I have been talking about our dreams. We have a very similar dream pattern, and we've been talking about our dreams in the mornings. And, you know, they're always so bizarre and i always think to myself i really need to keep a dream journal like i need to write down things that happen in my dreams and see if i can make head or tail of like what it means for me psychologically or does it have any bearings on what's going on in my real life i mean it probably does but it's so abstract that i just can't quite figure it out and the dream about the uh about the magician as you thought it was on the stage that then translated kind of almost directly like literally into real life What a skill. Is it a skill? Is it a gift? I don't know really what it is but either way it's just such a cool part of the human psyche and I mean living in a haunted house I get it it must be pretty pretty tough but I also understand that there must be an element of it that is pretty sad especially if you think this is a child who's afraid of the dark who's turning the lights on playing on the swings etc and then the house is left in darkness that's pretty sad. And story number three comes from Jodie. I'm the youngest of five siblings and when my mum fell pregnant with me she was actually expecting twins. Unfortunately, my mum miscarried my twin. Fast forward three years and my mum came into the room we shared to see me talking to the wall. She asked, Jodes, who are you talking to? Not looking away from the wall, I replied, my little sister mum, we talk every day. I personally have no recollection of this However, my mum said this was a regular occurrence for a good year or two and then it suddenly stopped. And my mum said I never mentioned her again. I wasn't aware I was supposed to be a twin until much later in life. Another incident was when I was around 6 or 7 years old and I was walking to Asda with my mum. She said we were just talking normally and suddenly I started telling her about my past life. That I was an Englishman who had died while in the army and I had left behind a girlfriend and an infant child then I just ran ahead and played in the local park. Again no mention of it ever again. I haven't experienced anything weird like that for a long time now, however, whenever something bad is going to happen to someone in my family, I have the exact same dream of my late granddad standing at the foot of my bed telling me to reassure my mum that she's okay and everything will work out in the end. This happened before my mum's best friend was diagnosed with brain cancer in 2015 and died 9 months later and again in 2020 when my eldest brother passed away suddenly at age 32. That's the only time I have ever encountered a loved one who has passed. The last experience didn't happen to me, but to my brother Jack. The night our nanny died, Jack said that our nanny came to him to again reassure my mum that everything was going to be okay, and that she wasn't in pain anymore. Jack described exactly what she was wearing when she died, her earrings, the top, everything. We were only three and five when our nan died in the hospital. So the people to see her were my mum, my aunt and my uncle. And again, we have another story of dreams being incredibly powerful. And in this case, it's dreams that are a warning, but also dreams that are there to say, look, things aren't going to be great, but just let your mom know that everything is going to be okay. And that's really important, you know. And again, we have kids doing some weird past life thing. And like I said previously, I know kids are super imaginative. Like, I'm around kids all of the time. I understand how imaginative they are. I also understand how much shit children chat all of the time. But there is a difference between the idle chitter-chatter of children and then kids saying, I was an English man before, I was an English man and then I died and I left behind a wife and an infant child. Like, that's not something that a child would ordinarily say unless that child has a preoccupation with war or soldiers or the army I don't know I don't know I just like I said of all things that have made me kind of lean towards a belief from doing this podcast it's reincarnation and straight number four comes from Rowan in April of 2020 my dad passed away suddenly it was during the COVID pandemic so dealing with it all was quite difficult it was also my first experience actually seeing a dead body which really does a number on you as a person. I decided I wanted to go and see my dad in the funeral home just as a way of giving myself some form of closure in the immediate aftermath of his dead. It is often said that dead people look like they're sleeping. Reality check, they definitely don't. They 100% look dead. It was a very strange experience for me going into the dimly lit room and seeing my dad laid out in his best clothes in the casket. Anyone else who has done this will also probably know what I mean. It's just unreal. It's as if someone has created a waxwork figure of your loved one and put them in a box for you to look at, like a doll. It's creepy and fucking unsettling. Also, I notice that dead people don't look like themselves after they pass over. It's as if everything that made them them, that spark of life, that made them walk and talk and smile and laugh is gone. That's weird too. All that is left of the person you loved is quite literally a body and nothing more. Anyway, we had the funeral and he was cremated and that was that. It was two years later when we planned to scatter his ashes and I had a strange experience. A couple of days before family were due to come over for this event, our mum went to collect dad's ashes from the funeral home. She left them in a bag in the kitchen in preparation for us to pick up and take them to the place we had planned to go and spread them. I didn't really think too much of this, as I didn't want to go over all my past emotions from what had happened two years previously. So I did all my usual things and went to bed that night fairly contented. I woke up at around 4.30am as I needed to use the bathroom, so I got up, went to the bathroom and came out again. However, I paused on the landing as something made me stop. It wasn't that I thought there was someone physically downstairs, more that I felt like there was a kind of a presence in the kitchen that did not feel good. It was like something was there just standing and waiting unseen, knowing that I was at the top of the stairs. Maybe it was because it was night time and everything feels different during the night, but the sensation that there was something in the kitchen and I was the only one to feel it being there was something else. When Dad was alive he developed a rare respiratory illness, that made it quite difficult for him to breathe. It also meant that he became more verbally abusive and short-tempered with us as a family. I don't know if this was out of his own personal frustrations at not being able to do the things that he wanted, or if it was a medical thing that had affected his brain and personality, but there was a lot of times that he would be very unpleasant to be around, and I'd be scared to do or say anything in case it ticked him off somehow. I felt that feeling come back when I was on the landing that night, It was a tenseness in my chest, like the fear of anticipating something bad about to happen if you don't do something. I was tempted to go downstairs to the kitchen to investigate the negative presence I felt emanating from that room. I felt like confronting it and putting my fear to rest, but I didn't. I hastily made it back to my room and went back to sleep to try and forget about it. The next morning I tentatively asked my mum if she had felt anything strange last night. I say tentatively, because she is the type of person that does not believe in any type of paranormal stuff. She thinks it's a load of rubbish. But she responded by looking at me in a way that said that she had felt something strange and said, Maybe. She also said she had a lot of thoughts going through her head in recent days, and I thought that maybe she had been thinking about going to pick Dad up, and what feelings that might bring up for her. The next day, my family came and we travelled to scatter the ashes, It was a positive experience all in all and felt for me like the end of something. Like we all now had done everything that we could have done for dad in death and we could all now be at peace with ourselves and have proper closure. Death is such a fucked up thing that we all have to deal with it at some point and I feel like there is such a taboo around talking about it. I hope this story has gone some way in removing it. Rowan, I totally agree. I think there's such a taboo in talking about death. And I think with that taboo, because a lot of people don't talk about it kind of openly and in a healthy way, that what happens is when people do die, you end up in situations where people don't know what to say, they don't know what to do, they say the wrong thing, they say really inappropriate things aren't realizing they're really inappropriate. And, you know, I I do think it is really important that people talk about death really openly. And I guess, again, that's a really kind of, um generalized thing to say and it depends on the culture that you're from and even the family culture that you come from like I I come from a culture where we see dead bodies regularly and in recent times I've had a conversation with my sister about the fact that neither of us can remember the first time we saw a dead body because we saw them from such a young age that it became normalized so I I don't remember the first time I saw a dead body she doesn't remember. I spoke to my best friend about it who's also Irish. Um, she doesn't remember the first time she saw a dead body. I mean, I can remember various bodies that I've seen over the years, many of them. And I guess from experience of seeing numerous dead bodies over the years, I can tell you that sometimes it brings great comfort to people to be able to see a dead body laid out. And I can also tell you that sometimes people look really beautiful when they're laid out. They look at peace. Sometimes people don't. I think it depends on the body it depends on the circumstances of the death it depends on how the person has died and it depends on how the person has been embalmed whether they've been embalmed or whether they haven't and I think all those things are dependent so and I also think that everyone reacts to seeing a dead body differently I know that some people choose not to some people don't want to see their loved ones dead they want to kind of keep the idea of them alive in their head rather than seeing them dead I know that my preference is to see somebody laid out um, I, I prefer to see them when they've died I prefer to see them sort of prepared for death before they get buried or cremated or whatever it is I find great comfort and closure in that and some people just don't and I totally agree that death is something that literally everybody will have to deal with at some point it is a shared experience and while you know nobody is going to be able to experience what somebody else feels when somebody dies Even if you're mourning the same person, you can't empathise with somebody else fully because you just don't know what they're going through. It is something that we all experience and and I just think it is really important to talk about death. And it's something that I really like about real-life ghost stories in general, particularly the mini-episodes, is that so many of the mini-episodes centre around death and they centre around the death of loved ones. And talking about loved ones through, I'm saying ghost stories because it's the easiest way to describe it, but talking about loved ones who have passed through ghost stories is a way that we can start to talk about death and normalise death culture and normalise different death cultures and normalise talking about death in a matter-of-fact way, but also in an emotional way. And it, I think it's it's genuinely really important. So all that to say, thank you, Roan, for sending in your experience about death because it probably will help somebody, most definitely. And ordinarily, I would say, oh, you had some sort of residual feelings about your dad when he was alive that had been stirred up by the ashes being in the house but what makes it strange is your mom having the same experience and look we don't know we don't know everything there is to know about death I don't think we're ever going to know everything there is to know about death we don't know how people come back and communicate after they die we've had so many stories where strange things have happened after people died so you just don't know you really don't know and i know there are people out there who find it really stressful when i say you just don't know but the reality is we don't know and who knows what it was that triggered those feelings in you and your mom but at least you were able to at the end of it all feel as though you had done everything that you could do for your dad in death and to be able to at peace to be able to be at peace and have like a bit of closure around spreading his ashes and story number 5 comes from Graydon Both me and my roommate Jordan have had paranormal experiences since we were young. My mom and grandmother both participated in Native American sun dances and other native practices and I've seen my fair share of spirits good and bad. While Jordan has seen them all his life due to his entire family being relatively sensitive to the spiritual. We'd stopped for gas when we knew something was wrong. We'd stopped at a gas station next to the freeway that was meant for the nearby campground. While pumping gas, we heard a thump on the roof of my car, as well as something moving in the wood line. Thinking it was a squirrel or a bird, we thought nothing of it until we went to get back in the car. On the roof was a handprint three times the size of ours, so naturally we got out of there fast. We thought we were safe, since there wasn't anything else weird going on for a good hour. That was until we hit the fog in a place called Grant's Pass. It came out of nowhere like a wall we drove through. The air was heavy in the car and a kind of energy could be felt as if there was static in the air. Time seemed to slow when I saw the first column of black smoke coming out of the ground near the shoulder of the road. Jordan had not seen the smoke but the thing inside it. He described it as a man in a cloak with an exaggerated hunchback with darker than black shadows underneath the cloak. The second occurrence was the worst. The black smoke came off the divider and came into my car through the windshield and at that point I lost my vision and all the feeling in my arms and legs. I breathed rapidly to stop myself from screaming. Jordan grabbed the wheel so I wouldn't crash and as soon as my vision returned we drove through the rest of Grant's Pass in fear. After we drove through Grant's Pass, we stopped at a casino gas station to switch seats because I was in no shape to drive and to try and come to terms with what happened. I asked Jordan what it did to me, and the way he described it was it came through the window like smoke and grabbed me by the face and just stared at me. He didn't look long enough to see what it did after that. We try not to drive through that pass anymore, and if we do, it's during the day. Okay. If anybody else is familiar with Grants Pass, you need to tell me if there are any stories associated with the place. Surely there are other people who have experienced weird things in that place too. There has to be. And with a name like Grants Pass, it sounds like the type of place where there's a story. There's always a story with any sort of place that has pass in the title. There always is. And if you're driving through fog, weird shit is going to happen the vision of you guys in the gas station and the thump on the roof of the car makes me think of that urban legend of the man with the hook for a hand and he like is on the roof of the car and he's thumping is the boyfriend's head off the roof of the car or whatever that's what that reminded me of that story is terrifying what was that black mist? what did it do to you? what did it do you definitely say that you had some sort of physical like health episode if there wasn't somebody else there that witness what happened to you to actually see it I don't think I could ever live my life normally again I'd be like Constantine I'd be like the brothers in Supernatural if I saw something like that I'd be thinking there are things in this world that I need to hunt down and story number six comes from Kim in my early 20s my mum my sisters and I moved into an old three-story house me being the lover of spooky things decided to have my bedroom in the basement The windowless, stone-floored and ominous basement. At first it was really cool. There was a stone slab that I slept on with a mattress of course. And it was something a little kooky. I can't remember exactly when things started to get weird but I noticed our dog would never come down into the basement and just stand at the top of the stairs shaking until I came back up. My iPod would turn on at random times playing music super loud. The door to the coal hole always opened on its own too. It creeped me out, but I didn't think anything of it. The last straw was when one night I was sleeping, I felt myself being slapped around the face. One way and then another. Then this massive pressure on my chest. I tried to scream, but I couldn't get the breath. Finally, the pressure stopped and I gasped for breath as if I'd been held underwater. Needless to say, I moved upstairs and slept on my sister's bedroom floor for months, only going downstairs to the basement in the daytime. I know it sounds a lot like sleep paralysis, but with all the other instances, who knows? I just know it'll stay with me for the rest of my life. It'll pretty much stay with me for the rest of my life too. That's what happens when you try and be the cool, quirky sibling. And then you move down into the basement, and then you're like, oh shit, maybe this was a bad idea. When I was in my early 20s, I definitely would have been like, yeah, I'll move down to the basement. That's cool and quirky. And then, of course, obviously immediately regret it. And it's always, you know, it's always the dog. It's always the dog that's the precursor. In every horror film, it's the dog that goes, hang on a second, I'm not going down there. And then the family are like, did you notice the dog's acting weird? So if anything, we need to learn from this that we always pay heed to what our dogs are telling us. And story number seven comes from Chelsea. We moved into a bigger home. We needed more space. I was so excited to have so much more space I couldn't wait to decorate my office lounge area, my own space away from it all. I enjoyed this space, I watched TV, did my nails, listened to music, wrote in a journal, it felt like a safe space. That didn't last long. I started noticing sounds coming from the bedroom at the end of the hall, like footsteps and things being moved around. I would have dismissed it if the cats didn't notice it too. Every time there was a noise, we all perked up and looked across to the room. The door stayed open and we could see inside. Every time I looked, I never actually saw anyone, but I also felt like I was making eye contact with someone. I usually brushed it off. I would tell my fiancé about it whenever he came home from work, and he thought I was crazy. It was late one night and he was downstairs watching TV. I was in the lounge room watching TV myself and I had one of the cats on my lap. We heard a noise from the room and like always we perked up and looked. Nothing. Nothing happened for a while after that and my cat went downstairs. I was enjoying my show until I heard footsteps again but this time I decided not to look and to just ignore it. Until I heard the footsteps getting closer as they echoed in the hallway. Until eventually they reached my room and I could hear them right next to me. I held my breath and I had to force myself to keep my eyes forward, afraid that if I turned to look, something might actually be there, and something might actually happen to me. I don't know how, but I gained the courage to open my mouth. I screamed for my fiancé, and I told him to come upstairs, that I needed him. He hesitated and walked slowly up the stairs, annoyed because he didn't believe me. As he walked up, I heard the footsteps walking back to the end of the hallway, I told him what happened and he stayed with me until we were ready to go to bed. The next day I cleansed the house in every corner and even my body. I felt safe and relieved as soon as I was done. And for a while I never heard anything or felt anything and I even got better sleep instead of my normal toss and turn. Until I had a party one night. I had a few friends over for a dinner and some board games. I was in a hurry to try and get dinner done and going back and forth across the living room past the stairs. I looked up at the steps just for a moment, and I saw it. It was a shadowy tall figure, standing at the top of the stairs just looking down at me. Ignore it, too many people here, I had to keep repeating to myself, and as the night went on, it did start to work and I completely forgot about the figure. I cleansed again as soon as all my guests left, and again I felt relief. And I learned that I needed to cleanse every few weeks or so or it would be back. Each time it seems to appear less and less whenever it does come back. I still hear footsteps from time to time, and I still feel like I'm looking at it when I look down the hall. I tried to close the door to the room, but I think it just sees me through the door anyway. Another night I was laying down on my beanbag watching TV. I felt the urge to turn over and looked down the hall. The only light source at all upstairs was from the TV, so not everything was clear, but I kept looking down the hallway. I saw something strange, like a blob in mid-air in the room. It was floating, and it just looked like a blur. And I kept looking. I couldn't look away this time. It disappeared after a few seconds, and then moments later I saw a shadowy figure walking in the hall. It happened instantly, almost like a camera flash. But it wasn't just standing, it was walking. And the strange thing about it was that it had an aura. The dark figure had a purplish or bluish glow outlining the body. I immediately turned the lamp on next to me and there was nothing. I went out to the hallway and I noticed footprints in the carpet in the spot where I saw the figure. They could have easily been caused by my fiancé but I had never noticed them before and they were much bigger than my feet. Maybe it's a ghost. Maybe it's a demon. Maybe it's my own energy projecting itself. Whatever it is, it's there all the time following me watching me, always watching me. From a distance, up close, taunting me. Like a hunter who watches the doe, just watching, waiting, observing, analysing. I don't know. I just know only one thing about it. It only wants me. I get really frustrated when I hear these stories about people who have found a space where they're really happy, whether it's a new home, whether it's a room in their home, and then suddenly that space gets tainted By some paranormal entity. I find it really frustrating. Because it is hard. When you are. Because it is often hard to find a space. That you can truly unwind in. And then it goes and gets ruined. By this shadow entity. That is lumbering around your house. I have to say though. The the description of you sitting. Knowing this thing was next to your face. And not turning your eyes to look. That is horror movie fodder. Right there absolutely terrifying and what does it mean when a shadow figure is a shadow figure but it still has the ability to leave footprints that's what I want to know what is the like what is the logic behind that is it a way to be able to say look I am actually here is it to do with how powerful the energy is I have no idea thank you so much for listening to today's episode thank you to Carrie-Anne Donna, Jodie, Rowan, Graydon, Kim and Chelsea for sending in your stories. Remember the last story came from April the 21st 2022. Remember if you feel so inclined please vote for Real Life Ghost Stories in the Listener's Choice Award in the Irish Podcast Awards. The link is in the description and it only takes a couple of minutes to do so. If you would like to know anything about Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast you can check out reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com And if you are desperate for extra content, you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content and every main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time.